0: Coming up, was the 2022 All-Star Game an entertaining product? And will the D-backs have the best outfield in the next three to four years? Lindsey Crosby's here to break it all down for you next.
1: You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to and always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24 at myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. And uh, if you want to continue to support the podcast, just continue to make it your first listen every day. We actually got somebody on the podcast today who should be your second listen every day. And that is Lindsey Crosby of Lockdown MLB Prospects. We've talked about him a lot. I think it's actually called Lockdown Farm now. But we've talked about him a lot because... He's going to be coming on the pod today. We got to talk a little Drew Jones, the number two pick for the D-backs, the best player in the draft. So without further ado, let's bring Lindsey Crosby on. Let me take my name away.
1: Lindsey, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, I am. I am good. I am also tired. This is the busiest part of the Like, this is our stretch run right here. This is our Super Bowl wrapped in with our Daytona 500 and our like all in one. Uh, You got the you got the futures game. You got the draft trade deadlines in two weeks. We are just putting them out. All the time. So if you folks want content, if you want to know about these prospects, about these draftees, the trade deadline, all of that, check out Locked on MLB Prospects.
0: Yeah, and thankfully, uh, the D backs were able to get at, Drew Jones at number two because the D backs didn't select that high. I don't even know if Lindsey Crosby is coming on this podcast, but he's a hot commodity <laughs> right now. Like, if you don't have a top five pick in the draft, you're not getting Lindsey Crosby for the next three months. That man is booked. And just overall, like, do you think the MLB calendar is just too stacked in this week? Like, literally, like you said, you got the trade deadline, you got the all star, you got the futures game, you got all these things going on. It's like MLB. Let's break it down a little bit. Let's break it up a little bit so you can at least have certain points of the season that we're looking forward to. It's not
1: just all in one week. The biggest thing to me that tells me there's too much stuff going on right now is day three of the draft on Tuesday. So rounds 11 through 20, you turn on MLB Network and they're showing a pregame for the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you've got too many things going on. Move the draft back a little bit earlier. I like the idea of holding the draft in omaha at the college world series i think that would be fantastic do something like that Uh, but just spread out the draft from the futures game from the trade deadline Uh, what makes it really hard is now you can trade these players in the trade deadline in two weeks used to in the past you had to keep a guy for a year Mm -hmm. now you can trade him right away and so you may draft a guy by the time he finally gets to somewhere and starts playing ball for you he may be out the door So spread it out a little bit, give people like me a a chance to sleep and take a breath and uh, just continue getting love all throughout the summer while no other sports are playing. What are you doing? Yeah, because it's hard to say, hey,
0: let's market our stars better. Let's market the young guys. And it's like, well, the all-star game for the young guys is going on during the actual game. And then the draft, like you said, you turn on the coverage. There's no coverage of the draft. It's pregame ceremonies. It's all the other stuff. So it's like, how can you actually put these young guys on the forefront of Major League Baseball and try to market these younger players better if we don't even get to see what they look like when they get drafted? And I think... The MLB draft is like the first issue for Major League Baseball and one of their many issues when it comes to marketing. Like that has to be an event. Like NHL's kind of in the same space as baseball where it's like a lot of these guys you won't see for the first three to four years mm-hmm. of their, you know, when they get drafted, but they still make a product, the television product out of that round one. They still do round one. They still make a television product. And in baseball right now, I think it's just kind of lacking that area when it comes to the exposure for their stars.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something where there's nothing else going on right now. You mentioned hockey. They, they do it. I know people who aren't hockey fans that they watched the hockey draft because there just wasn't a whole lot of other sports on at the moment. Right now, nobody's doing anything. You don't have footballs not in training camp yet. Uh, the NBA is there doing summer league, but that's, that's it. And so take advantage of it, spread it out, and get yourself some earned media over two or three weeks. I understand the urge to make the draft into an event and because it was the all-star break they were able to have a lot of people there on sunday for for the first and second round um including i think two of your three dra- three draftees were there mm. but yeah just spread it out make it more of an event do some extra marketing there and let let the draftees have it like have a moment i like that they got sunday but rounds 3 through 20 pretty much were ignored and you can get a lot of really good talent. And y'all did in those later rounds.
0: And I've heard people talk about, too, like maybe the draft or not the draft, maybe, no, the all-star game. Maybe that should be back to like the 4th of July weekend, where it's literally mid-season. It'll be halfway right around the 4th of July weekend. That's like a perfect little break. And then also, I think I just want some extra one runaway to talk about the trade deadline. Like we see Juan Soto, all those rumors. Like I want to spend a month just talking about Juan Soto rumors and destinations because I've talked about that's also like the biggest thing that baseball is also lacking, like the off-season drama, Mm -hmm. the the drama surrounding baseball. Like you look at basketball, you look at football, we're talking about what quarterback movement, we talk about what NBA stars are going to go where. We don't really talk about that with baseball. And it's kind of a surprise because you look
1: at like free agency, like a lot of big time MLB players usually hit the free agent market. As chaotic as free agency was this year after the lockout, it reminds me of the first day of NFL free agency and NBA free agency where everything's happening at the same time. And so I think they can learn a lesson and they need to do a specific window and make it into a thing kind of like the NFL has done, kind of like NBA has done, because like, I can remember, I think it was a Monday that they, they agreed to a deal after the lockout and it's just like, boom, boom, boom. All these deals start just Mm -hmm. dropping at the same time. And it's, Oh, Freddie Freeman's going to the dot, just massive contracts being given out, you know, Seager, all of that. And so, yeah, just focus better on taking things, letting them stand on their own and then making them into marquee events. Every single thing the NFL does is a production. Yeah. They put out the schedule in a 2-hour primetime special. Like yeah, everything crazy. they do is a is a big deal and MLB just like does 3 things on the same day.
0: It just doesn't make much sense with uh nope. what baseball is doing. I'm not a huge fan of it. And so I did want to ask you, though, about the All-Star game. Uh, did you even watch the All-Star game? Because in full honesty, I watched the highlights on YouTube after. I wasn't really locked in. I'm not a big All-Star game festivities person overall in general when it comes to any sport. I was recording. I
1: recorded uh three podcasts. That was the last day of the draft. Right. And so I recorded three podcasts that night, but I was between games. I was popping in and checking out some highlights and stuff. And I did go back and watch all of the highlights of the players mic'd up. Uh, I did think if you, and if people out there missed it, it was the sixth inning. It was Jose Trevino uh, and Nestor Cortez for Mm -hmm. the Yankees. They both had mics and earphones and were talking to each other. And it was absolutely fascinating. Listening to them discuss what they wanted to do, how they wanted to attack hitters, what their thought process was. It was great. You're never going to get that in a regular season game. I think the all-star game is the best place to put that, but it was great TV as well as listening to Alex Manoa and John Smoltz debate how to get guys out. I think it was in the second inning also really interesting. Um, And, and just a way that like you marketed these stars in a way that we've never heard before. You've never, other than Sunday night baseball, you've never really had players mic'd up during the game. Yeah. And even then it's only one inning. And I personally don't like, In a competitive game, interviewing a player on the field during the game, Uh, you know, Joey Votto and Sunday Night Baseball is at first base, playing first base, talking to the broadcasters. But last night uh, for the All-Star game, it was fantastic. It was great. And it was a great example of a new way to market. I'd have put a camera on the catcher. I think that's the next thing they should do. Oh, like POV? Yeah, like show people how hard it is because there's somebody you always can find somebody in a baseball conversation. that I bet you give me 10 pitches. I can hit a home run. No, You couldn't, you know, put a can put a camera on a catcher and let somebody look at a 97 mile an hour cutter. See if they could try to hit that. Let them, you know, watch the Clayton Kershaw curveball and see if they could, you know, not swing over that.
0: Yeah, I think if you gave me 10 pitches, Lindsay, I'm not sure if I'm making contact with any of them, let alone hit a home run. I mean, those things, I don't yeah. even know I to see the ball. Which is, I think I would probably be too scared, honestly. I will probably be like five feet off the plate and not even close enough to even reach the ball.
1: I would only make contact if I stuck the bat out and just hold it, yeah. put it straight out and then got lucky that he hit it. That's it. There's It'll no be, way I'm going to swing and even catch up to a pitch.
0: Yeah, because I wouldn't even attempt the bunt. I would be too scared that my yeah, I don't want my hand like, out there. No, no, no. Yeah, that's crazy. And speaking of hands, you know we you know what's a good thing to put on your hand, Lindsay? You know, some jewelry, a ring Fine every jewelry. now and then. Yeah, fine jewelry. And the best place for some fine jewelry is none other than BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as, uni- as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry by having trouble choosing? Blue Nile Jewelry Experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on all Blue Nile jewelry and up to 25% on engagement rings. Shop now at BlueNile.com. You mentioned there about the mic'd up players and how we've seen a glimpse of it in uh, Sunday Night Baseball, because I I think that's been like a pretty good success. Like you say, you don't like seeing the players as much in competitive, you know, during the game, but watching like that Kike Hernandez play where he's like telling the broadcast what he's going to do when the ball gets hit to him. And then it actually happens. Like that was a pretty dope moment. So I'm like, can we at least get like maybe one player a game that gets mic'd up every game or how about just like everybody's mic'd up. We just shut off the radio mics. Like there's nobody in the booth. It just straight feed from just the fans, the ambiance and the players. I think that would probably be an even better product because it seems like everyone just hates baseball announcers for the most part. outside like Don Orsillo or Vince Scully.
1: Yeah. And something that that's confused me. So MLB has embraced streaming services and they have games. I remember one weekend, I had to go to three different services to watch the three games of the team I was watching over the weekend. Uh, The thing that blows my mind is there hasn't yet been an option that's just crowd noise and field noise Mm -hmm. for a game. And, and if, if, if you figure that out, drop it in the comments below. I know back in the day, you used to be able to take an ESPN basketball broadcast and shut off the center channel and you would just get the sounds of the arena. I want something like that for baseball. I want to hear the Oregon play. I want to hear the in stadium announcer. Um, I want to hear the players Talking, the players, you know, laugh and cut up. I want to know what they talk about at first base. I want to hear that. And I think something the NFL does really well is Mm -hmm. even if you don't get to hear it during the game, they have players mic'd up in every single game. And they'll each team, the league, they'll all put out the footage during during the week after the game of, you know, this defensive back who's mic'd up, and you get to listen to clips of him playing and talking on the sidelines. And you just don't get that in baseball. And it feels like it's it's low-hanging fruit to get out there and market some of these players.
0: Yeah, and the mic the moments are the best in the NFL because it's more than you know the analysis they hear from the DBs. Like it's just guys being dudes and just goofing off and just BSing each other, and that's like kind of what we miss from baseball. Like we see Big Poppy at the All Star game BSing with all these guys. Like you said, Alec Manoa on the mound, like he was phenomenal calling out the strikes every time he he punched out another batter. Three punches, yeah, three punches, just putting them down. Like it was phenomenal, but it's like uh, it's, we never get to see the. Uh, players uh, let their personality shine and then when they do via bat flip or something like that it's like hey you're, you're unwritten rules guys under-in somebody rules. hits them the next at bat yeah yeah it's like yeah let's let's go beam their best player now in the head and knock him out a week and then we'll also lose our pitcher at the same time so baseball just seems so antiquated in that um in that scenario but um back to just the all-star game in general did you have any feelings toward? Clayton Kershaw starting just because I felt like that was like I don't know I didn't really like that even though he's had a great season
1: and of course a phenomenal career I felt like that had to be Sandy starting the all-star game yeah I think that that Sandy Alcantara earned the start and Mm -hmm. he deserved to be the starter in that game just based off of the season performance and people that that went on and said well Kershaw deserves to start because he's had a great career that's not what we're measuring here we have a spot on the roster for a legend who maybe isn't having an all-star career this year, but we still want them to be here because we want to honor what they did this, uh, their entire career. though know, their season's not been great. Albert Pujols did that. Miguel Cabrera arguably could have been an all-star anyway, but he did that. Kershaw has had a good year, but Alcantara has been on another level. And I think it yeah. would have been, I think if the all-star game was anywhere else, but LA Alcantara starts. There just seems to be like an unwritten rule that if you're in your own ballpark, we're going to let you start in the All Star game. And Alcantara got robbed. People are like, it doesn't matter. Get over it. It matters to him. He earned it. I mean, if it was close, I would get it. But he's literally has double the
0: innings, batter's face, and leads the National League in ERA, like pretty much every statistical category. Like, it's not close. It's not close. He's running away with it. So that's why I was like, eh, I'm not a huge fan of seeing Clayton Kershaw start, even though he's having a good season. But I was like, come on, you have to give it to Sandy Alcantara. It's like people that were asking for Tony Gonsolin to be the star of the game. It's like, look, we saw Tony Gonsolin in the All-Star game. He's the one that gave up the lead. That's why he didn't start the All-Star game. So uh it should have been Sandy out there. But real quick, just a quick pivot. Do you have any – do you have like a go-to team that you want Juan Soto to – uh, be, be potentially traded to? I only asked because my favorite team that I wanted Juan Soto to go to pre-home run derby was the Seattle Mariners and mm. seeing Soto plus Julio Rodriguez in the finals only further cemented my dream of seeing those two play together.
1: Yeah, having, I think it'd be really cool to see two Dominican outfielders playing together, especially guys as good as the two of them um and young too like they're on the same time yeah level. i mean they could play for a decade together yeah i i didn't necessarily have a like a favorite who i wanted to get him i had who i thought what i thought was going to happen the scenario that i still think is going to happen is and i'm not quite sure now with the whole private jet thing that's going on yeah, but what, the, is, what
0: are you doing washington
1: yeah it's but the scenario that i had was i imagined in the offseason if the yankees don't re-sign aaron judge I think they automatically become the favorite to trade for Juan Soto. And now that timeline has been moved up and the word is he's going to get moved before the all-star break. I can tell you the one place I don't want him to go is the Dodgers. Okay. And it's just because I feel like anytime there's a player who's one of the top five players in baseball, he goes to the Dodgers. They add Mookie Betts and then they add Freddie Freeman. And I'm like, it's just, it's just at some point in time, you have to stop it. It's not fair you also have a top 10 farm system like right, that's hit- the thing with the dodgers they got the
0: money and the farm system the prospects who go out there and make the deals like other teams they might have one or the other but the dodgers just have the combination of all three which makes them just so dangerous
1: yeah they they traded uh, their number one catcher and they traded a number one position player to get trey turner and max scherzer and then guess what now they have another top catcher who's a number one prospect and they have another top position player who's just about ready to go at third base and it's it's like this is just not It's At some point in time, it's almost like they're just a different sport. It's like like they're playing a video game and they're on easy mode and they're just kind of taking advantage of the AI that doesn't understand proper valuation for trades and for free agent signings and stuff, you know? That's why I'm like, Juan
0: Soto, I know everyone's saying it's going to be a king's ransom. You're going to get back five blue chip prospects, two guys already on the major league level. But I'm like... I don't know. Have you looked at the last 10 years of superstar trades? Like usually they don't go for as much as you might think. And maybe it's because those guys are already out the door, maybe a potentially salary dump, but what are you thinking for a Juan Soto deal? Do you think it's going to be as fat as what people are saying, where they're getting the the whole farm from somebody else? Because I honestly think uh, the Nationals might end up screwing this deal up and selling low on Soto. So I
1: think I have two schools of thought on this. And the first school of thought is the number of teams that have the money to sign Juan Soto and the teams that have the prospects to sign once uh, to trade for Juan Soto there's not a lot of overlap in those circles that Venn diagram does not have a lot of overlap so inherently the the deal is not going to be as big as we expect the other thing is Scott Boris likes for his clients to get to free agency and so what i think ends up being more likely is you only get the massive haul and the massive ransom if there is an extension as well. I'm not trading four top 10 prospects and a cost-controlled MLB piece for two and a half years of a player, no matter how good they are. I'm not trading four top 10 prospects for that. So if Scott Boris is disinclined to have Juan Soto sign a long-term extension as part of a trade, I think the compensation does come down a bit. And it's something where, okay, well, we're only trading for two and a half years of Juan Soto, and then we'll have a chance. We'll have the first chance to re-sign him in free agency. And I think if that happens, it opens it up to other teams we haven't thought about who might be players in this. The Rays, you know, some you know some other teams who the Marlins maybe who could do have the pieces to get two and a half years of Juan Soto, but don't have the money to sign him for fifteen years. But think
0: about how crazy that would be if the Marlins did it. Like you had three all star outfielders
1: and you traded them all
0: for prospects. And basically, I think Marcelo Zuna got them back the best package because I think they got Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon back in that deal and they flipped Gallon for Jack Chisholm. Um yeah. you know, eventually. But the our, thing you said in our Drip King. Yeah, our drip king, but to think you traded Yelich and Stanton and though, all those deals busted, but now you're going to give a prospect for Soto. I think that would just be a pretty interesting pivot point in uh, our will. own franchise history. But uh, I also want to talk a little bit about Drew Jones, of course, Lindsey Crosby mm-hmm. being the prospects guy. we got to discuss him, but if you want to place a bet on where Juan Soto is going to head next, do you know where you have to place that bet, Lindsey? Uh, you have to place it a bet online. Oh, that's right. You gotta head to betonline.net because the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Betonline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, Lindsay, we just saw the MLB draft in. And- Heading into the draft, Drew Jones, just consensus, number one guy, everything, athletic, generational generational. talent, generational, doesn't matter what list you looked at. He was number one. But draft day, different scenario. Jackson Holiday, who probably isn't a bad pick, another son of a former major league great. But when you see Drew Jones, number one on all these lists, and then he falls to number two fall. Why did he not go number one? What did the Orioles see in Jackson Holiday to take him over Drew Jones? So
1: it's a scenario where honestly I don't I'm you know, not 100% sure. I mean, it's something where you know that Jackson Holidays a good hitter. I think that when you get too locked into a small number of prospects for a long time, you start to really take the minuscule differences in their games and blow them up into much bigger things than they actually are. And it was something where Jackson holiday was seen as having a little bit less swing and miss than drew Jones did drew Jones doesn't have a lot of swing and miss, but mm-hmm. it's something where you knew and we've known for months that the Orioles were down to three or four, maybe five players total in consideration for that number one pick. And we all just started picking every player apart and finding every flaw and magnifying every flaw and something in there. I don't know if it was the money I don't know like what it may have been, but something in there made the Orioles think Jackson holiday is a better fit for us than drew Jones. I wanted drew Jones, like, sorry, I wanted the Orioles to finally take the consensus best player at their pick because they've always gone for the, uh, the underslot college guys to save money for later. And they finally go have the chance to get the best player in the draft, the generational talent that's on all the lists. And they pass over him for a, another kid who was really good, but not the best player in the draft. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why, um, but it's the think, Diamondbacks. It pays off for the Diamondbacks.
0: Do you think Holiday would have gone number two or still been in like that top three mix? Like, was he even in consideration for that number one?
1: Yeah, the the consensus number one, uh, like the top tier of guys was Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, Elijah Green as the, the uh, super toolsy guys. Then Tamar Johnson, the, the second baseman who went to the Pirates at four, considered to have one of the best prep hit uh, hit tools in a decade, as well as Brooks Lee from Cal Poly. That was kind of like the, the, the top tier of five guys that the Orioles were looking at. I do think that either Holiday or Green would have been the pick at two. Green has a little bit more risk, a little bit more swing and miss in his game and things like that. Um, so it kind of depends. All and we talk about you don't pay attention to position in the first round but um there are a you know a a a lot of outfielders in this system already so the 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 impetus to go take a stud infielder versus another outfielder would have been there so who knows if it would have been jackson holiday or elijah green i would have rather it had been holiday than green if it was me picking for the diamondbacks but i much rather would have them have drew jones
0: yeah, that's interesting because they obviously selected Drew Jones. I think they had to because he's the best player. But I wonder if it was Holiday or Green at number two who they would have selected because, like you said, they're pretty loaded already in the outfield. But they did mm-hmm. just select Jordan Lawler last year. And if they think he's really the shortstop of the future, then it would have been a pretty interesting conversation. But do you think the Orioles – did like, do you see Jackson Holiday as maybe like a safer prospect than Drew Jones because of the less we miss or – do you see him like uh, why? Like, is there any other reason than that? Like,
1: I don't know. I'm searching. I'm grasping for straws here, Lindsay. I mean, they're both kids, big leaguers. They've got great baseball IQ. They've got both got plus plus run times. I mean, it's really, it's really semantics. And so I think probably it ultimately comes down to either a money thing or a, we want an infielder versus an outfielder. And I don't think you can go wrong with other player, but it's just, it's such an odd Such an odd decision to make. And again, not one I would have done. I don't see either guy as being incredibly risky. I think those two were the consensus best two guys for a reason. Um, Again, I think it just came, it comes down to at the end of the day, personal preference. Do you want an infielder or an outfielder? And I guess they wanted an infielder, which, and I can see that the Orioles don't have a ton of true shortstops in their system. Uh, again, we always talk about don't do positional need in the first mm-hmm. round, but I understand if you have some outfielders, you don't have any true shortstops you're confident in, go get the second best player in the draft who is a very talented shortstop and should be a no doubt shortstop, should stick. I get it. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow
0: with part two with Lindsey Crosby, where we discuss Drew Jones some more. How does he project on the major league level? Do the D-backs potentially have the best outfield trio of the future? And so much more. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day. Lockdown MLB prospects with Lindsey Crosby because he's fantastic and bringing, bringing down all the top prospects from the draft. Come back tomorrow, as always, for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces!